Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. Today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, I have uh, Josh Blanc with me from Clay Squared. Thank you for, for joining me today. Thank you. Okay, so tell me about your background. My background, uh, starting with by college, I uh, worked in ceramics and went to school for ceramics and glass blowing. And then uh, we moved from Columbus, Ohio to Minneapolis, and I got a job at running a tile shop there called North Prairie Tile Works. And uh, at that point, uh, in that one year that I was there, we did a project for the state capital of Minnesota, where we stored an entire ceiling, a historic ceiling. Uh, and uh, anything and everything could go wrong, went wrong with that project. And that's where <laughs> I learned how to make things go right. And so as the story goes, it was 1,800 square feet of six inch by 12 inch tiles. And we told them we'd do it in 45 days. And we did, we just didn't count the extra 45 days it would take us to figure out how to make it right. So oh. lots of challenges with that. Yeah. That was a, you know, everything from that project on, I can look back when I have run into a problem and solve problems about making the tile from there. Yeah. Um, was it, was, were the problems like with the, was the ceiling curved or was that like some of the issue? It's a, it's a Gustavino tile mm -hmm. uh, installation. So those are very uh, well known throughout the subway systems in New York city. There's a lot of them all over the country, any state houses, a lot of these tiles that are, they're groove tiles. Uh, they would shred when they come out of the extruder. They were warping. They had the glazes. They painted all of the tiles on the first floor of the Minnesota State Capitol, so they didn't show any variation. And so oh, they only wow. gave me one tile, and they said, can you make 3,600 more? And so lots of little battles of yeah. that color's yeah. not correct, and you know why is this going on? So just learning process. Right. right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, There. those, those, you do like in the middle of it, you really don't, you're really not enjoying it and you're questioning your life choices, but, <laughs> but, but yeah. after afterwards and, and, and going forward, it, it, it always makes a better job than later on. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was definitely, I mean, and I was probably 23, 24. I had hired uh, a friend of mine that I work at the Walker Arts Center as a guard. And then you know, he was 21 and then I had another 18 year old. So here we are doing historic restoration with a bunch of 20 year olds or barely 20 year old people. Right. Uh, and, you know, like, but there wasn't any history, you know, like that was a big challenge with this is that, you know, hundred years ago, we were just been workers in a factory, you right. know, but at that time, like where was, I was scourging around trying to find other people to help me and we didn't have, um, 
wasn't readily accessible, let's say it that way. Uh, and I found a tile maker in Omaha, um, Tim, oh, what's his last name, but he, uh, he was tile maker, he gave me some hints. And then literally my, we were at a brunch with my uh, wife's cousin and he worked for the Cremet factory. And he's, uh, I was telling him about the project, says making tiles and making noodles are basically the same things it sounds like. So why don't you come down and we'll give you a tour. And, and he right. showed me how they dealt with how dealing with extruders and literally his couple last little things really helped us figure out that last part. And so, you know, there's a lot of tie-ins between different uh, uh, genres of, of creating and yes. making yeah. things. So Tommy was one of those things, a lot like cooking. <laughs> so what um what drew you into uh to reproduction tile well i mean obviously you get it when you get a project like that right. and that really you know i think more for me it was i realized that i'm a problem solving person i like that process uh and so that was much more interesting to me and there's a lot of problem solving that goes with just tile making in general and then of course any remodeling and trying to figure out something from a hundred years ago and trying to understand what kind of materials they use, how do they, you know, what was their aesthetic? What is it that they are trying to achieve? And then how can you make something that without grandma's recipe of how that they do it, how does that work? Right. And so right. I've sort of, I've come up with my own process to be able to help people the most to and save them money and need time and, and challenges by finding other tile companies that already either were original companies or uh, are made reproductions that are perfect now that I don't need to go in and try to make everything. Right. If it already exists, you should utilize it and keep them in business and not compete against yeah. somebody for what reason. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with you because there's plenty plenty of other things that aren't being made that you can you can make to, to compliment, yep. yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, so tell me about uh, Play Squared. Um, you know, what what is the history? What what products or services do you offer? So, yeah, this we just passed our twenty fifth year uh, last week. Uh, we are so I make handmade tiles and uh, for kitchens, bathrooms, fireplaces, public art, historic restoration, and then uh, we also carry a, a large selection of historic tile companies that match those tiles from the 1890s to the 1950s is our main focus that we work on. And then my wife, which you can see the work behind me uh, is what she does and she works in polymer clay. And uh, so we've just sort of moved around over the years from smaller studios to keep going larger and larger until we got to this new studio so we can produce and you know improve our techniques and, and take on different projects. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you... Um... Do you go out and install still, or do you? Are you just making tile now? No, I never install. I, yeah, that's that's a whole other craft. That's a whole right. other skill set, and that's a whole other business. So for me, finding people that are already good, at, really good at this, and we've, we're really lucky. We have uh, many uh, top tile setters in the country that are right here in Minneapolis and St. Paul area. So we can really, you know, go to them. Jan Hahn is a, one of our go-to people a lot of times, and. Uh, so it's, it's great to have quality people to help you make you look better. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so tell me about reproduction or historic reproduction tile. I know there's different styles and different arch architectural errors. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, yeah. So 
so anything from the 1890s to the 1920s and 30s, there was a lot of tiles that were what we call flat edge series tiles. So they're very rectified. They're very, they're taken from European, um, everything was about Europe. They weren't trying to be American at that point. So right. they wanted things to look like stone. They wanted things to look uh, like Europe. And so most of the East Coast was built that way. And so when we do the restoration now, trying to find that. Um, so we work with Heritage Tile and they have a whole series of uh, unglazed porcelain tiles as well as wall tiles that match many of the colors. And, and they have mainly the flat edge rectified tiles. And then as we move closer to the twenties, there's overlap um, and then we start dealing with uh, just slightly beveled tiles. The tiles get thinner. If they're the tiles from earlier are three eighths inch thick. Now they start moving to quarter inch thick. Uh, they have all the same profiles. The whites are the, almost identical, but then they start introducing more deco colors, more uh, pinks, greens, and yellows start to become the thing as you move into the 30s, 40s. Um, and so we work with uh, uh, B&W Tile. And so they're an original manufacturer from the period. And so they have the original recipes, which is great, oh, but they're always changing. Everything's always constantly changing uh, with what was, but trying to get it back to that, those colors. Um, and then that we color matching. Yeah, well, this the, when you have the recipes and you have the product and you have most of it there, it's so much easier. Yeah. And, you know, and you produce a lot, you know what you can deal with in the variations. But starting from scratch, it is, it's a big process. I mean, that's what Heritage Child did. Um, and they developed a whole line based on that. And some they can't get and some they can. Right. So, but we do a lot of restoration for that with what they offer. And, you know, there's not that many companies out there that do this. I mean, right. this is what you could buy at Sears. And we have the Sears, you know, catalog book. And this is right. the tiles right. people could get. So that's why it was so proliferated all over the United States yeah. uh, in all the big cities. And now there's one company making this. Yeah, so, yeah I, you know, I, do, I do think that people don't realize that, you know, even at that point, so much was being mass produced that, you know, it seems very specialized now, but at the time it was, you know, yeah, just like going to Sears. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And, and then people, you know, people come and like, oh, I just need a couple of tasks. Can you just get that to me in this color? I'm like, you know, this isn't a paint store and there is only one company. And like there was, there were many manufacturers at that time. And so there are shades of difference, just like cars, you know, they come out with a car shade and then they change it, you know, three, four years later. And these guys are sort of the same sort of deal. Like they all had to make their own distinct pink or their own distinct, you know, greens right. to stand out from each other, but they're very similar. Yeah. Very good. Um, so, um, I saw on your website that you have tips for planning a tile project. Can you share some of those with me? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just, uh, you know, measuring and knowing what your space is. And, and, and most people don't realize all those places you have to measure, you know, like we look at our kitchens every day. We look at our fireplaces right. and bathrooms, but when you really get in there and you have to like a fireplace, you have to get both of the legs, you have to get the top part, you, have, you know, just every detail. You have to think about, are there any open edges where we need to have a glazed edge or a bull nose to finish something? Um, for kitchens, you know, I tell a lot of people, it's like, how do you live in your space? Do you have a lot of toaster ovens, coffee makers? You know, where, if you're gonna put accents or anything in there, don't cover it up with your, your, your toaster oven. Right. Uh, spend money on something you're never gonna see. And getting, we all just don't think about our spaces after a while and we're our normal sort of pathways. Um, so it's important for them to 
take that time when they come to work with us to know what they're getting involved in. Uh, we always recommend if they can draw it out on a piece of sketch paper or, you know, not everybody has an architect or designer. Right. Uh, and even if you do, I think it's very, uh, it, it makes you feel more part of the process if you at least do some sketches and feel like, okay, I'm an ownership of this. I'm gonna get these tiles in six or 10 weeks or whatever. And what was I thinking? And if I have a sketch, I can go, oh yeah, yeah, there, there's the notes. This is all put together. They're just in a bunch of boxes. How do I deal with this? Right. And so right. we try to help people in that process, but it is a lot of, a lot of just making, you know, getting you, it's not like going to the grocery store every week. You, you know what bananas are when they're ripe. You, do, you have to take the time to understand what you're getting involved in. But I would say most people who come to us love their houses. So therefore they want to learn more. But we're also Americans and we want everything instantaneously and we want somebody else to do it for us. <laughs> so, uh, that is the challenge with this part of the world. It's like, this is old world thinking and how it was done and it takes time and it takes a lot of little details. Yes, yeah, details. Details are usually, I think, what make or break a project um, and then the details really do matter. Yep. So, um, uh, where can your uh, where can your tiles be purchased, or how could someone order them from you? Well, we definitely our, our online presence is is very strong. Um, so we've been doing that since the beginning. Uh, we have a showroom, so local people and and people drive all over the place. We've had people from that are traveling from all over the country, like oh, we're in Minneapolis. We'll just we'll stop in. I'm like, oh, wow, you're from Florida. You're from North Carolina. You're from California. Like it happens more often than you think. Right. Uh, I had somebody from Green Bay this past week just coming in, so he wanted to come see us. But you know, we get some people in the shop showroom, but that it is all online. Everybody knows everything about me before they get here. They know all the stuff that's going on. They see the studio, so they think it's fun, you know, and, and it's enjoyable. Uh, and we have our studio and I can show that to you. We can walk around and I can see it. Uh, but like we, we make it so that people can see that we're actually making it. So that, that's a big component of how my process works that it's, we don't get returns because of that, because if you order things on, you know, Amazon and they, oh, the color's not quite right. They just ship it back because we're, they're not, they're not real people. And you sort of distance that. But when you know that you're talking to somebody who made something for you, you're more likely to be uh, more lenient on your criticisms and uh, unwilling to work through the process of the challenges. Right. And, and, and trust the process. Well, at least know that there's a real human on the other side, yeah. you know, and that, that makes a big difference that we're not as uh, most of us, we have our computers and we don't get to make things and we don't get to see how it's made. We don't understand how things are made anymore. You know, I grew up on, you know, in Vermont and lots of, you know, cutting wood and moving, you know, hay and moving, you know, with animals. So like there was always a physical component of my life. And I think when you live in the city, sometimes you don't get that same experience. And so you don't know where, where do eggs come from? Where, where does, you know, uh, food show up from, you know, so that it helps to have that component. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I read an um, article maybe a year or two ago that a, a child was shocked that there were bones in their chicken. I'm like, well, if you've only ever eaten chicken nuggets, <laughs> you're not real in touch with your food. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. I had a friend when I was, when I was young, the, the 
his wife, we asked, you know, she they'd asked her, like, where did you get eggs? She's like, from the store. And it's like, that's not from chickens. <laughs> so, you know, but that, and so when people find older homes, they learn a lot about the house. And it is learning to listen to the house and learning about what it took to somebody made. Though all older houses were handmade. Right. They were not prefab. They were not, you know, everything was put together one by one, you know, and that's the way it's been for thousands of years. And so only in the last 50 years have we really moved to this idea of like pre-manufacture, plop it in there and, and, and just throw it away when you're all done. And that these houses are not made that way. These buildings are made to be restored. And that is not in our ethos of, of what our country is about currently. So maybe one day we'll get there, but it's hard. It's a competing thing. It is. It is. I, I agree with you. That kind of leads me into my, my next question of, of trends and challenges in, 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 um, in preservation. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, so what, what do you see as, as either trends or challenges um, from your, your vantage point? Well, I'll start with the challenges is that because there's so few tile companies out there, uh, you know, one of them just had a fire recently. Two of them had fires in the last, you know, year or two. Uh, so like, you're, when you don't have it anymore, what do you do? And then there's always a shutdown and there's a startup again. Um, and then that drives costs up because they have to rebuild everything. And, and when there's so few people that are making these pieces and parts, you saw it in Paris when uh, Notre Dame, you know, burned down, like, well, where do you find all these craftspeople to build something that was made, you know, 800 years ago, you know, like that cycle of making these craftspeople make things has disappeared and we want to make everything automated. So that's the big challenge is making sure there's more people who want to learn this and can learn the trades, whether it's tile setting or tile making, uh, blaze, you know, theory. There's a lot of art students that go through ceramics and they don't go into the industry. They go into making one loft pieces. So they're not involved. So that some of that could be, you know, people like doing this. This is all, it's all the same stuff, except that there's a, specific product, you know, and I went to art school, I totally get it. I was never thinking of making tiles. <laughs> I wasn't on my mind, but like, I realized that I liked the process. Um, trends, definitely, you know, when I first started arts and crafts, bungalows, and uh, that was the all thing that was going in. There were lots of books being printed. Uh, tile making itself I had a research into Tile Heritage Foundation, was doing symposiums. I put together the Handmade Tile Association that lasted for 17 years. We had tile festivals. And so we built a lot of awareness um, and people were getting into it. And now it's changed to mid-century is really much more like those houses that people are moving into. Pink, green, and yellow tiles are like, it's a love it or loathe it sort of scenario. <laughs> um, and what I tell people is like, look, those pink, green, and yellow tiles is literally the only contribution to the world of tile America's ever made because everything else is from somewhere else. Even the arts and crafts with, you know, Batchelder, we carry some of their work. He was still working with the whole arts and crafts scene that came from England and working there. And so there was a whole movement, but the pink, green, and yellow, nobody else is making that. And nobody else has made that really. I mean, there's bright colors. Um, so you're getting rid of your, your own heritage every time you rip it out. <laughs> and I would say that you're, if you live with it for a little bit longer, it might speak to you. But a lot of people just got these things and they're super well built. 
Right. So right. you're, it's like a tank that you're taking apart. And so it's expensive. And, and then they put something in that literally isn't installed as well, doesn't have as much range, doesn't fit the house because it's like all modern. Their house is old. So like those are the challenges with this. Yeah, I, I could I could definitely see that. And the the um I don't watch daytime TV very often because I'm not usually, you know, what I'm working. <laughs> but right. those tile, the the bath fitter commercials drive me crazy. <laughs> Right, right. The HGTV <laughs> things, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. just cover up what's there. Don't right. fix it. Don't worry about. It. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a major disservice to the process of like, it, you know, it's all for entertainment, and it's not really about understanding what you have in it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe when you're young, you're just like, I want to make it my own. I want to try to do that. But that's that's a real challenge because people buy houses for you know, for location and price. And so if that fits in their neighborhood and they got a pink house, you know, pink bathroom, they might like, that's not what I was expecting. This is all I can afford. I'll rip it out. Right. right. <laughs> like, well, and, and the, the, I, I think it slowed down some, but for a while people were really um, not staying in their house for very long. So you're doing all of these mo- modifications and then not living in the house. <laughs> that that's even worse to me. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's definitely, so you're trying to sell it, then everybody puts in, you know, listen to the real estate agent. Yeah. You know, it's not the real estate agents are incorrect that you want to make certain things, you know, clean and, and sharp. But we're like, for us, the person who buys your house is looking for a house. If they like historic houses, and if you make them historic, it's worth more money. Right. And if you take something and you distort it, make you make it clean and nice in a different way, but not accurate, and then it's just about money. Right. And so like, but are you really getting your value or not? That's a, a big question. Um, so it's, it's a challenge. It but. is. It is. Yeah. So um, is there anything that you thought about that you wanted to share before we kind of wrap up um, um, that maybe I didn't ask you or you thought about while we were talking? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's something to think about is there are some really good resources out there. The Tile Heritage Foundation, the National Tile Contractors Association and the Tile Council of North America are all working on, you know, making people be able to utilize tile well. You know, if you, we were just having this conversation at the board meeting with the Tile Heritage Foundation that, you know, tile is shown in movies and TV shows all the time. Uh, you know, 30 Rock. Every time they put that on there, that's all tile that you're seeing the Rockefeller Center. You know, constantly. We did a project for the, um, the Planet of the Apes, the re, uh, redo years ago. I mean, it was only there for a blip, but they they used these and it shows genres and the tiles show the periods very well. Uh, and so it's a very important part of our society that we, you know, we walk on uh, these things all the time. We, you know, see them all around, but we don't notice it because it's quiet uh, in general. But there, and there are, we estimated somewhere around a thousand tile makers, you know, 20 years ago that are literally making tiles throughout the country. I don't know what that number is now, um, but, you know, there's a lot of interesting things locally you can get that would tie into your house around you or when governments are trying to restore their house, the buildings at the, you know, state capitals and other things, those, they do exist. Those companies still exist and they can be utilized. Uh, and it's important. You know, it's a, it makes, every time you get rid of these things, 
it 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 hides our history of how we how we built things. And do you want that for yourself? Like the work you're doing right now, whatever you are, you're a dentist or whether you're a, a food worker or whatever it is, you want that to pass on. And if you're just ripping out somebody else's work, you're really not honoring that system. So I think that's the whole point of any historic restoration, whatever product you're making in that process. Yeah, it's trying to retain the historic fabric as possible. Yeah. We learn something from it. I mean, we learn something from ripping it all down and starting over again, but it's usually makes a lot of people angry and it doesn't make a lot of people, it's not fascinating. Um, you know, I just got back from Portugal and they've been keeping their history for 800 years of trying to do this. And, you know, it's beautiful and it's amazing. And, you know, there's always something to restore, but it's who they are. There's not as much waste. There's not as much, there's a lot of like storytelling that goes with that. Um, and it, it brings people together a different way. So, now I, I agree. With you. Is there anything that you would like to promote to our listeners? Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I would just say, you know, go look around yourself to your local uh, tile companies uh, and see if you can get something um, from somebody before you start going to the big box stores. Those big box stores don't make things for houses that are older. Right. If you're a preservator, you know, whether you own a bungalow, a Victorian, a mid-century, you will not find the products you want in a big box store. Yeah. And places like what we do are trying to help you. And if we're, we're good at sharing, so if you find somebody in New Orleans, there's people down there that make the tiles that were made at that time because they love their they love their city too. Right. And so you have to spend a little extra time. And you know, I'm not said about coming to me so much. I that's it works if I'm if I'm the person. They can make what you're looking for great. And if, if not, I'm gonna help you find somebody who can if I if I have the option. So yeah. yeah. I, just- I agree with that too. I if if somebody reaches out and I can't help, I try to fi- connect them to people who can because that's just it, it works. And then I get surprised. Sometimes I'll get a call and somebody will say, Oh, this person referred you. And I'm like, I don't even know who that is, but you know, right. it's, you know, it's the, it's the connections. Right. Um, so how, how can our listeners get in, in contact with you? So you can go to claysquared.com and you can see our website there. We have an Instagram uh, at clay squared and Facebook. Um, we're on house.com or on Pinterest. So uh, lots of Lots of ways to engage with us. You can call us up uh, uh, on our phone numbers on our website, uh, 612-781-6409. Um, and you can email us, <laughs> josh at claysquared.com. Uh, and we'll help you out. You know, we, We'll send you catalogs and planning guides. And then we have a whole sample program here to get you the things you need to see them in real life. Because that's part of this process is you can see it online, but that doesn't mean it's the right color. What it looks like in my studio looks like in your house. We have a sample program where people take out samples for two weeks for free if they're local. Uh, and if you're not, and it's, it's like $14.95 to $19.95, depending on the product that you get a little package of five samples uh, of each of the colors um, and show you a range to see what kind of variation to expect. Does it fit your house? You know, all that sort of scenario. And it's just a lot of educational components. That's what I'm trying to give you. I'm not trying to sell you something. You will sell it to yourself. You either love it or you don't. I, I either am the right person or not. Um, and, you know, goal is to just get people to keep their houses and not start over again. Cause that's, that's not ecological for us. And so no. we work towards that, that much more 
use what you can use over again as best as possible. Yes, I, I definitely agree. Well, thank you so much for, for your time today. I enjoyed our conversation. Yes, yeah. good to meet you. Yeah, good to meet you. Thank you. All right, have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.